Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptors Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong, rarely in studio for Tuesday. You seem ecstatic. I feel like I've already seen you wear the sweater this week. So how you doing, man? Uh, I'm good, man. Where's your hat today? No capping today? Uh, no. It, it, it got wet in the rain yesterday. So, unfortunately, I have <laughs> so to... So, it's retired? I only have one hat that I wear, so mm. shouts to Hongxing for that hat, but, uh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great night of basketball. Great night of sports, period, Last man. Night. I was gonna say, I have, I've only watched, um, I've, I've turned on the television to watch hockey on purpose twice mm. this season, and both times I've seen the clutchest team in the history of sports, the Toronto Maple Leafs, for... Twice in overtime. So I'm just expecting the next time I watch the Maple Leafs to see them uh, come through once again. But uh, great performance last night by the Leafs in overtime, at least, because that's all I saw. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there's, is there a parade in my city? Can we say that yet or no? Yeah, we should go to Maple Leaf Square on Thursday, man, for game five. You want to hit that up? Okay. I mean, no, but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, Try to make plans with you, you on there So you can go, I guess. No, it seems like it's like kind of like, um, when the Raptors have the Jurassic Park now, I think you have to like sign up on an app, mm. and it's like not a lot of people get allowed into the into the place now. So okay, it's actually kind of exclusive. So wow, okay, so not hang out on Thursday. Um, you know what? Honestly, like these games have been really fun. What I would like to do is maybe watch <laughs> it with my dad. Oh yeah, you should actually uh, do that. Shout to your dad, but uh, huge Leafs fan. Yeah, he he was he was very happy about it. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, <laughs> There's not a lot of communication Great between like, Asian, Asian sons and Asian fathers, so um, I, I can only assume that he's happy. Yeah, let's unpack Instead that. Instead of asking. <laughs> let's unpack that. Um, why, is it, why do we always feel bad when we spend money on our parents? Um, anyways, it was announced yesterday the Houston Rockets hired Ime Udoka mm. as their new head right. coach. Per Woj, Raptors, uh, Rockets general manager Raphael Stone sold Ime Udoka on the franchise's young talent salary cap space and the chance at winning the draft lottery and he reported that the two sides moved really quickly towards a partnership after their initial meeting and that Udoka decided against pursuing the Toronto Raptors job and other potential openings in this hiring cycle what was your reaction to the news um I was surprised uh, as as we have mentioned many times in the show I was very much expecting Nick to go to Houston mm-hmm. um so, yeah, this was a surprise. Um, I know that it was officially reported that uh, Ime had gone to see the Rockets, I believe, last week, I think on a Wednesday. Um, and so this has moved fairly quickly if that was indeed the, the the true timeline. Of course, you know, you never know, you know, backroom meetings, all that kind of stuff like this could have been done, uh, you know, well in advance of the reporting coming out. But, yeah, no, I I, I am a, a bit surprised. I'm, now I'm very curious as to see where Nick ends up going. Um, you know, I, I wasn't as sure that uh, Ime was coming to Toronto. Um, but at the same time, there was a lot of reporting and speculation on that front. We saw Woj immediately tweet out that last week, obviously, Nick was let go by the Raptors and that Ime would be the leading candidate. So, you know, reporters typically don't jump out with information um like that unless there was a real momentum or speculation built towards it and of course we've heard email linked to toronto a few times so um yeah no uh, I, I think the rockets you know uh went in this direction um you know it is kind of funny hearing about sort of like selling them on the young talent and, and selling them on cal- uh, salary cap space that one that's a, a new one for me it's like 
we have money to spend. Um, we don't know <laughs> who that that's is. That's Dylan Fertitta's motto, man. Uh, but I that, have money the, until I need a loan from the NBA. Yeah, yeah well, until that, I need to put all my restaurants at the bubble. Has he? Has he? Has he paid back those loans yet? But um, no, it is just quite the pitch, you know. And I'm sure that the Houston nightlife could could also factor it on this one. So. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, very surprised, like you were, and you know that takes the what was I think considered like the favorite for for the Raptors job yeah. based on yeah. all the reporting off the board. And Chris Haynes did report yesterday as well that the Raptors retained assistant coach Adrian Griffin after parting ways with Nick, and Adrian Griffin is expected to receive an interview for the vacant position. So sure, yeah. add Adrian That's Griffin fair. to the list. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, um, I, I think the Raptors have had a history of like promoting people from like in, in, within, obviously mm-hmm. we saw that with, uh, with, with Nick taking over for Dwayne and do you want them to promote from within this time? Do you care? Um, I think, okay. So the thing with uh, promoting from within, I feel like it, it's just, it doesn't feel like it, it's never a headline, right? It's like, well, if you thought that there was an issue with the coaching staff this past year, why didn't you do something about it? Right, and I think that that probably would be a question as to any sort of internal candidate um, that the Raptors would look to to to, to speak with, um, I, I, you know. And uh, look, uh, Griff is uh, clearly like on the cusp of getting a head coaching job because he's had a lot of um, interviews elsewhere as well. Um, so, I think the Houston Rockets also interviewed him, by the way, right? Yeah, it was reported that? that he was on the list. Yeah, yeah, right. So, um, it, it wouldn't be a surprise if he were interviewed by the Raptors. I mean. It's it's hard to say just because we've only seen him as a head coaching capacity in one or two games here or there when Nick was missing. Like we saw that happen this past season. I think uh, the Raptors beat the Pistons in a game, um, and uh, you know you know Griff managed that game. It, it's hard to tell because I think just because of that, like you, you don't have that much head coaching experience. But um, at the same time, like yeah, you know. Sure, why not? Interview him. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. It's, you're, really again, not it's, that, you're really not that passionate about this thing, coaching like, search right now. When they when they promoted Nick after, you know, letting go of Dwayne, like, it, it wasn't like a celebration at any point. You know what I mean? Like It, it did wasn't, feel like a letdown when it, it was It was kind announced. of just like, oh, yeah. all right, so what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, the thing with coaching is, that, like, you really just never really know until you interview them, go through these processes. Um, and, of course, you know, you can judge coaches on, you know, have they developed a guy or, you know, you could judge coaches on like what their philosophy looks like, or you can judge them most importantly on their wins and losses. Um, but you really won't know until you actually go through these interview processes. So I, I do think that the Raptors will, you know, go through um, probably a month here to, to sort of like really meet with people. And, um, you know, they're, they're fairly thorough. And uh, I mean, I trust them to, to hire the next coach. I do trust in management. I don't think it was like email or nothing. Um, but at the same time, I do think that, you know, maybe if this whole situation was resolved a little bit sooner, perhaps the Raptors could have jumped in to this mix as well. But ultimately, you know, that, that ship has sailed. Yeah, Masai did say at his presser last week that he'd like a head coach in place by the draft in June. So, like you mentioned, the process. I, mean, I hope it's before the draft in June. Yeah. Like, so that, the process I don't want might take. Drag yeah. out for two months. No, There's like no you mentioned. Like you mentioned, I think it's going to take the next month then. Yeah. As they go through the candidates. I think, too, like deciding whether to, you know, hire from within. You know, I think that's something that they have to weigh too, right? Like, do you value the familiarity, which I think they value too when they hire Nick in the first place, mm. versus like just getting a fresh start, right? Just getting a fresh start from someone outside the organization. And it's interesting too, the Nick Nurse component of it. So, you know, he got let go. He still got one year left on, on his contract. 
yeah, I'd be curious um, whether he like maybe like you know some coaches take a year off, sure, wait yeah. for a job opening, right? Yeah, maybe some suggestions for Nick. Maybe he could do TV for a year, be a Stan Van Gundy. You know, I, I actually wouldn't mind that because I mm-hmm. feel like he'd just do a whole bunch of interviews um, mm. as part of just being in, in, in media, and I think in that process we might find out more details about sort of what happened in Toronto. Sure. Not to say that, like, what happens in Toronto is this, like, huge national storyline. Yeah, but you want to hear him speak his side of it, too. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and, for example, if he were immediately hired to become, like, the head coach of the Houston Rockets, for example, he'd probably be asked a couple of questions when he comes to Toronto or he'd be asked a couple of questions in the process of sort of, like, the media cycle of introducing a new coach. But it wouldn't really be anything that detailed. Like, obviously, all the focus would be, like, what's your plan to turn the Houston Rockets into something competitive, right? Um so, yeah, if you were to go to the media route, um, which, by the way, I think Nick is quite good at doing when he's interested in doing that. Excited to hear about uh, BBL stories. And, yeah, I mean, you know how it's going to go. Um, <laughs> you know what? You're right. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, like, there could be other job openings that, that pop up, right? Like, I think people have sort of speculated that, like, look, obviously, Milwaukee's down 3-1 right now. Do they change uh, Mike Boonholzer out of that position? Yeah. Right? That would be another scenario where, uh, you know, you have a championship-winning head coach let go within five years of them winning the championship. Or you have Doc Rivers, you know, in Philadelphia, his job has always sort of been speculated upon. Um, you know, if, if they flame out against the Celtics in round two, is there going to need to be a scapegoat, right? And is, is he going to take the fall for all that, right? So No scapegoat sound? I think, uh, bah. Yeah, okay, thanks. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm saving those up for the LeBron <laughs> segment we have coming up. But, like, you know, I think for Nick, he has options and he has the flexibility mm-hmm. of sort of waiting out that year as well, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see where he goes. Yeah, I keep suggesting he should just take a year and coach uh, OG Ananobi's London Lions, mm. British Basketball League. I, somehow, I, somehow I doubt that's going to happen. Write a tell-all book about the 2022-23 season. I, I would love that. I would love that. Where's uh, who's who wrote the last one? Michael. Um, yeah, we'll look that something. up. You, you're the one that yes. read it 50 times. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was reading it for for Nick, not necessarily for the author <laughs> for the biography. Spent but. a year touring music with the Arkells. You know, I wouldn't be you surprised know, if Nick these popped ideas. up. Nick, just go back to coaching an no, NBA I mean, team. No, I mean, because here's the thing, though. Because he has so many jobs. Like, you know, you could see him popping up in, like, more, mm-hmm. you know, productions, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, but, he's, uh, he's got the Team Canada responsibilities as well. This was a surprise, though. I'm not going to lie to you. This was a surprise. Um, more so that Houston chose uh, Ime uh, rather than, you know, Toronto not ultimately landing Ime. But uh, we will see. The Raptors will have their coaching search. And you know what? It's, it's, it's hard to, like, win the press conference or even win the headline when you hire a coach, it's really about what that coach does. Cause again, like when, when Nick nurse was hired, trust me, there was no fanfare. <laughs> no one was like, Oh, we sweet. We got our man, <laughs> but it turned out to be the exact right person for that job. So yeah, we'll see. All right. On to the basketball. Uh, Jimmy Butler scored 56 points Bro. last night. The Miami Navy seals are now one game away from upsetting the Milwaukee bucks. So he were trailing by 14, in the fourth quarter, and Jimmy just took over. Mm-hmm. Miami finished the game on a 30-13 to 13 run. Jimmy had 22 points in the first quarter, 21 in the fourth, 19 of it, 28 from the field, made 15 free throws. And the only players who have scored more than him in a playoff game was, over me? Man, was Michael Jordan, 63. Michael in Jordan over me? <laughs> Elgin Baylor over me, 61 in 1962. And Donovan Mitchell, who had 57. In the bubble, Jimmy Butler's 56 joins Jordan, Will Chamberlain, and, and Charles Barkley. I mean, he was just making every type of Yo. shot 
at the end. And I know even yesterday, I was like, man, Giannis is going to come back mm-hmm. and they're going to restore some order in this series. And, and Giannis, you know, even though I felt like he was, he was grimacing, laboring the whole game. Oh, yeah. Did have a triple-double, 26 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists. Brooke Lopez at 36 points. But sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, best player on the floor. And best player on the floor was Jimmy Butler. Yeah, no, that was... That was such an awesome performance. Um, I can't believe the Navy SEALs are doing this, man. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm still not giving them credit, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you no, know, man. like like I said yesterday, you know, take Miami with the points. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't looking so These good in the fourth starting quarter. starting Kevin Love. They got Haywood Highsmith coming off the it, bench. It doesn't matter, though. But like, it should matter. They can't keep getting away with this. Here's I, the thing, I'm still like, not giving them any When credit. it comes to... Something like that. that's that's the really cool thing about basketball. It's not a it's not fully a team sport like it is, but also it can it, at any moment it could be chosen to be made into like a largely individual sport. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that that's clearly what happened here with Jimmy. I think you know as you mentioned, as far as the part of the fifty six points, it's it's when he scored it that also mattered because the Bucks came out great in that game. Giannis came out. Yes, he was you know. Uh, after every stoppage of play, he was holding his back and, and he had the massage gun and everything like that. But he was playing well. The Bucks were playing well. And I thought there was a real chance they were going to steamroll and take a huge lead and and sort of pin the heat right away. But Jimmy Butler scoring 22 points in the first quarter. A lot of those are very difficult shots as well. Even threes and stuff like that. He's just scored from all areas of the court. But he saved them in the first quarter. The Bucks still had a lead for a lot of it as well. And they kept making their pushes. But eventually... In the fourth quarter, when the Bucks started to slow down, and I really don't know what Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday were doing, some of those crunch time possessions. Um, but then Jimmy Butler took the opportunity and then sort of saved them again. He like he 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 prevented them from losing in the first, and then he won it for them in the fourth. It, it was just such a takeover performance. It's it's one of those things where it's like you get into these playoff series, and who is not afraid of the moment? Who is not afraid of you know taking over? And yes, if you miss those shots, the blame is going to be on you. The focus is going to be on you. Jimmy Butler is absolutely one of those guys that shows zero fear whatsoever. It's not a thing. It's not. Yo, I I have so much respect for him, man. Like, we've seen this over and over and over again. And I think for a large part of his career, um, you know, he wasn't really able to play with, like, capable teammates. And then now it doesn't even matter so much of who his teammates are. Like, this guy will drag Duncan Robinson into the NBA Finals and win two games. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's he's that level of just sheer dominance, like, no fear whatsoever, top five playoff player in the league. Um, all all respect to him. And and I think for him, too, what's really cool is when you saw these, like, historical lists, right? And, you know, you're, you're talking about guys like, you know, Jordan or, or, or Elgin Baylor. You know, like, he's he's tying himself with Wilt and, 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 uh, and Charles Barkley. Like, I, th- I think... With the score lines today, because the three-point shot is so popular, like, you can have a guy who gets really hot from three or, like, starts to spam some threes, and that really helps not inflate your scoring total because it's not like scoring threes is, is, is a cheat code or anything like that. But, like, a guy can get hot make ten threes, and all of a sudden, you know, you're already, like, so much of the way there towards a historic game. I think watching Jimmy, he scored all sorts of baskets. He scored on the rim. He scored on threes. He scored on mid-range shots. He scored and ones. He, he posted up. There was no way to actually stop this guy. And he played both ends of the floor. So, man, it's just truly, genuinely one of the best performances I've seen from a playoff performer. And, yeah, I mean, like, they just completely took the hearts of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, and I think I think when you talk about Jimmy landing on these historical lists, like, you know, 10, 20 years from now, when, you know, you look back at Jimmy Butler's career, 
I think history is going to tell his story really well because you're going to see all the things that he was able to accomplish, like you mentioned, taking that Miami Heat team to to the finals mm-hmm. in the bubble. And, I mean, even last year, I thought that Celtics series was so impressive from him, right? Like we, oh, yeah. We, how, we know how good that Celtics team is. And for him to come within one shot at the end of Game 7 yeah. to taking that, down that team, coming off that Game 6 performance that he had was just remarkable. How much do you think... With the Bucks down three one right now, how much do you think this says about the Bucks too? Right, like I know we're looking oh, at it yeah. from the Heat side. Sure. Like in terms of just them being down three one, I know they've been missing Giannis, but even a performance like that last night and giving up that lead at the end, like I think all the things you said coming into the playoffs about the Bucks have have proven true already, right? Yeah, I mean, even if they, even if the Bucks somehow come back and and with this series in seven, which is increasingly unlikely, uh, unlikely, although they do have two of their last three here games here um, in Milwaukee, but even if they do that, I have no confidence that they will actually make it out of the next round or the next round after that, right? Like, I, I think first off, Giannis is back. Like that was never going to be just like a temporary thing. If you hurt your back, that thing's just going to hurt for a while until you really, really get that thing fixed, right? And so we saw him being able to play, and he actually played pretty well like as good as you could really expect from him um but like that's just going to be a huge problem for them and then the rest of the team is just old like they just have like five six seven guys in the rotation that are 30 plus and like not to say that like okay yeah you're, you're, you're over 30 you can't play anymore but I, I think in in some of these series like the longer it goes like i do wonder about how their legs are going to look i think chris middleton this season so much was about him coming back from injury but he's been up and down Right, and we've seen that in the series. We've seen him have great games. We've seen him have really terrible games, like four or twelve last night, uh, fouling out with three turnovers as well. Like, I mean, I, I would say that this is surprising, but we saw we saw a lot of this Chris Middleton against Toronto in two playoff series in 2017 and, and 2019. We've seen him also play well as well. So I'm disappointed ultimately, but he's had an up and down year that's continued into the playoffs. Drew Holiday had a really good regular season, but you always felt like with Drew, like when he took over offensively like that, it just never really felt like sustainable for him. Like, no offense, I, I really do respect Drew Holiday as well, but some of the stuff that he was doing offensively this season, it just didn't it didn't feel as real. And I think when he comes down to a playoff setting, 6-19 from the field, he takes over the offense quite a bit. I, I'm not really sure he's the best shot maker on the team, but then again, when Chris Middleton's also struggling, I suppose somebody else has to do it. Giannis, at the end of games, like, you do wonder, okay, like, is he going to get you a great shot every single possession, or is he going to charge in and kick it out and opportunities to sort of stack bodies and take charges and all that kind of stuff? He had six turnovers. And then it's like, how much are you really going to rely on Brook Lopez, right? And he's had an amazing series, like, for the most part. Like, he's had some really, really high highs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm worried about the Bucks. They have not that much support in terms of depth now. It's like we're going to really rely on Joe Ingles or – you know, Jay Crowder, we saw, we traded five second round picks for, for Jay Crowder. I, I would take, I, I would take, you know, one second round pick for Jay Crowder right now. Like he's not doing anything for you. Somehow they decided to resurrect Myers Leonard's career. I didn't, I thought he was maybe young and maybe that's why they did it. He's 31 that. years old. And given what he said, like publicly, like there's just no reason to revive that man's career at 31. So it, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not that impressed with the Bucks in general. Obviously you needed Giannis to sort of really play at his best. And and he hasn't really been able to do that because of injury. And so that's really left the door open here. And I think, again, you, going back to Jimmy's performance, it's not like anyone else from the Heat was playing, like, amazing basketball last night. No, their <laughs> like second... He doesn't have yeah. any, like, support around Their second highest score was Bam with 15. Yeah, and no, you know he, with Bam, single, it's like an unimpressive 15, yeah, too. Yeah, we don't even need to talk about the rest of the team. Like, Jimmy just single-handedly carried them. Yeah. Like, that was really one of the greatest playoff performances 
like individually of all time. Aside from Jimmy, three guys scored over 10 points. You have 15 from Bam, 10 from Gabe Vincent, and 12 from uh, Cody Martin or Caleb Martin, who's been really great in the series, by the way. Um, I, d- I do like the, it's the really one guy. I do like the mini uh, Duncan Robinson resurgence that's happening. Yeah, sure. He had three three pointers yesterday. Because right. I don't know if you saw Joe Harris's shooting stats from that Sixers series. I have, I have seen that. So Duncan Robinson needs to uh, resurrect, help resurrect the reputation of that white three point specialist. Wow, economy. And I, I mean, think, and I think he's doing that. It is their number one job in the NBA. Yeah. No, I, I you know, don't want to get ahead just because, like you said, I mean, I think it's tough. It's going to be tough for the Bucks to win three in a row here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, if they do lose this series, you know, I think it's going to open up a lot of questions. I, I don't think a number one seed and, and a championship favorite coming into the playoffs, even with the Giannis injury, can, you know, get bounced in the first round like this without some hard questions being asked. And I think it would start, I think it would start with Coach Bud too. I'm starting to hear some of that Coach Bud chatter coming from the the Milwaukee fan base as well. I know there's some criticism about just, again, adjustments in this series. Mm-hmm. You know, why were they doubling Jimmy? Why wasn't a timeout called yesterday during that run sure, yeah. in the fourth quarter? And and you add that to the fact that, you know, the, the roster is aging. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. Like the Bucks get bounced in the first round and suddenly you're looking at this team, even with Giannis, like a lot differently moving forward. Yeah. Um, and, and- this is kind of what happens, right? Like, you got to co- constantly, like, replenish your team with more and more talent. And I think the Bucks have been able to add veteran talent. Like, like let's bring in Joe Ingles and let's bring in Jay Crowder. Or even in, in Brooke Lopez and, and Drew Holiday's case, they got them when they were later on in their careers. And it's like, you win the title with that. No one's going to look back on it. But eventually, how long can you really roll this thing forward? And I think that that's where one of the bigger storylines, you know, if they do flame out, and we'll see what happens next year as well. But, like... What is what is Giannis going to decide about his future? Because I, I do think that, like, you can't really see the same Milwaukee Bucks core lasting for more than two years just based on sort of the age and the level of drop-offs that you can expect from people. Clearly, they were very good this season, and they still are very good. I, I think most of their predicament right now is just Giannis got hurt. But still, like, um, this will be tough. Like, this will be – when was the last time I first see got got bounced, if, if they do get bounced? Is, am I going to have to go back to Dirk? Yeah, I think it's, we got to look that up. But the eighth seed, this is just the fourth time. This is just the fifth time since 1984 that the eighth seed has a 3-1 lead. Man. In the first round. Impressive. On on the number one seed. Yeah, the Giannis thing is interesting. But, you know, Giannis seems like compared to other stars and the guy that I think of right away is, is Luca. Yeah. Because you think about how much pressure Dallas is under just like every sure. day yeah, yeah. to improve the team. Giannis has never really done that, right? And I think the Bucks, you know, when they acquired Drew Holiday, like he signed his extension um, and it was able to kind of end all that talk of, mm-hmm. of him going to free agency. So for me, I feel like Giannis is going to give this franchise a bit more runway than maybe some other stars. Because they are going to need, like you said, they are going to need to take maybe a year or two to kind of just refresh the roster a little bit. Yeah. It's coming, right? Like I agree. It's coming. And that's the thing. They're short on a couple of picks and the roster is fairly old. So it's not like they can just trade Drew Holiday for picks. I mean, that could probably happen tomorrow if they really allowed that to happen. But you can't do that because you're trying to win with him. Mm-hmm. So you're stuck in this position where unless you have more talent coming up to the surface, you're kind of just stuck with the core you got, and they're all kind of declining. Um, so, do you think they'll? Do you think they actually have a chance to come back in seven? I don't really. I don't really see it. I still give them a chance. Okay. I mean, there's a reason why they're the one seed, and I'm still not giving Miami and the Heat culture credit. Like I'll give Jimmy. You. I'll give Jimmy culture credit. Yeah, of course. Like, that absolutely. was an incredible performance. Yeah. 
But, you know, there's a reason why they're in the play-in. There's a reason why they're in this position. Because Jimmy doesn't care about the regular <laughs> no, season. That's why. No, listen. I've been so hard <laughs> yeah. against Heat culture yeah, got you. in this series. I'm Slim Charles right now. You know, if it's yeah. a lie, I'm going to fight on that lie. Got you, got you. So. Man, you should be the head coach of the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> give, that, give that speech to them right now, man. Fanatics is going to be like, I'll run for a role for you, coach. And you'll be like, yeah, all right. Um, yeah, I was thinking too, man. Like, again, not to look ahead, but might get a Heat Knicks series in the second round. The, like oh. you mentioned, the Blood in the Garden series. I can't. Honestly, I, I, I really would not hate that at all. They're, like, I actually, I really love, like, Eastern Conference basketball. Yeah. And there's nothing more Eastern Conference basketball than that series. No, yeah. y'all been, I mean, I have been, too, all making, like, 90s Eastern Conference basketball jokes. Like, we're yeah. about to get a 90s Eastern Conference yes. basketball series. Oh, yeah. In that second round. and uh, I need I, Mike Brina like, permanently live in New York and not leave the city. <laughs> I need Jeff Van Gundy there. Mike, Mike Breen's not going to be yelling bang. <laughs> it's just going to be clank that whole series. Clank! <laughs> Obi Toppin for three. Clank! Yeah, um, by the way, Obi Toppin's been hitting threes really well, all right? Yo, Knicks have been playing amazing, man. And Offensively, we'll talk... who would you rather have, him or Evan Mobley in this series? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Don't no. worry. We're going to put Evan Mobley and the Cavs on, on Fugazi watch Ooh. later. Shouts to Cash. Oh, man. But there Can't is wait. a pathway. Their names are. <laughs> there is a pathway for Jimmy Butler in the Heat to make the conference finals again. There like, always how, is. No, but he just is, makes the path for this himself. This is ridiculous. That's why I respect him so much, man. Like, he, man. He, he's up there with like Kawhi, up there with like Jamal Murray for me, or it's like guys who, regular season wise, I don't even care what they've done. Yeah. When they get into a playoff series, they just become a different level. No, like he, he has. He is an all time 16 yeah. game player, man. Yeah. An all-time 16-game play. I just can't believe this is happening. This is happening in the eighth seed that the Raptors could have been in. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think we would have scared Milwaukee uh, let's, this way. Yeah, let's go ahead and, and I've seen and, Joe Ingles do out. things with Toronto that, 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 that should <laughs> that, not that be possible. That shouldn't be broadcast on national TV. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Anyways. Yeah. yeah let's, uh, let's take the break. When we come back, LeBron James and the Lakers okay. versus Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies. And Wait, no more Raptors news? Is that what you're telling me? Is there any more Raptors? No, I don't care. He's old. And then we're gonna we're gonna see if Will wants to put the Cavs and Evan Mobley specifically on uh, on Fugazi watch. Oh, do I ever? All right, well, we're gonna take that break. I've been your host, Willu. That's Alex Wang. You're listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers sportsbook award-winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus. Available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Liu. I continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. We are going through the NBA playoffs, which have been amazing, by the way, man. I just, I, I got to say, Adam Silver, salute to you. All right. You, you've really done nothing but uh, allow this excellent basketball to who, Yo, who is watching this basketball and the first person they want to salute is Adam Silver, it's, man. It's me, man. Wait, wait till you see Scott Foster's assignments for these games five, six, and seven. His so. farewell tour right now, yeah. it's, it's, it's excellent. I just got to say. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, some news and notes. So De'Aaron Fox fractured the tip of his left index finger. Yeah. 
in game four over the weekend, and he's going to try to play with a productive cover on that finger for he's game five. He's a lefty five. too, by the way. Yep, over, this was on so. his um, shooting hand. Yes, so, so he's listed as doubtful for game five tomorrow. Um, yeah, it's such, it's such a shame, right? Because I, I think that this whole series has been just like this um, incredible back and forth between guards, between De'Aaron Fox and, and Steph Curry. And obviously the rest of the team um, has really factored in. Like this is not just a one-person job, but at the same time, like, He's just been so good, especially in fourth quarters. Um, so it, it's it's a, it's a real shame to see this. At the same time, I am wondering, like, how are all these players suffering all these injuries? And I'm pretty sure they're all going to ultimately play. Like, what kind of, like, um, medical treatment are they getting? Like, John Morant, like, we, we fully saw him, like, fall on his hands so hard. And now he's playing again, and now he's doing really well as well. Like yeah, he's doing backflips every like, time he goes in for a layup. I'm right saying, now. like, what what are they doing to his hand? What and what did, what did Giannis get for his back yesterday? And what will Darren Fox get for his hand? Like, I'm just the only person man, you can medical trust. Medical advancements are incredible. The man. only person you can trust to fight against uh, medical advancement is is Kawhi. Yeah, if Kawhi is out, <laughs> if Kawhi is listed as out, he's out. Kawhi's like, yeah, I, I coughed uh, two days ago. <laughs> he's I'm he's out. he's definitely out. No, shout to Kawhi. Get well soon. Yeah. Dejounte Murray suspended. For game five, mm. um, between Hawks Celtics for that was uh, so dumb. inappropriate contact and verbally abusing a game official. This happened at the end of the game. Yeah, he. This he, was unnecessary. This was unnecessary, especially because it wasn't like the refs were the reason why the Hawks weren't able to beat the Celtics in game four, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not like one terrible call and like I mean I I still wouldn't excuse that because you have to hold yourself back from you know not bumping an official. Like come on, man. Like, there's, like, accidental bumps in this one. He walks over to him, confronts him, and bumps him. Like, you, you, they have to suspend someone for that. So that's just completely immature. And, like, I mean, I, I think he's a really great player. He's, he's really performed well for Atlanta this year. Um, I think it's not his fault that that trade was made, and I think that he's done his job. But at the same time, like, you have to be much more mature than this. Like, the last thing you can do is get yourself kicked out. And, and over what, really? Like, what are you going to do? The referees are going to change the game at the end? Like, this ain't, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's man. never a good sign for a team when their uh, marquee offseason acquisition is explained by it's not his fault he got traded. No, no, I wanted to clarify that because it is Rudy Gobert's fault that he got traded, all right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yo. He forced yo, the Jazz's hand. Yeah, the stock market went up for a couple of weeks there for, for uh, would you even call them star players? I guess star players. This is the issue. Competent starters. You, you shouldn't yeah. trade this much for, at best, number three options. Yeah. Um. Anyways, new uh, new or old uh, nickname alert. So DeAndre Ayton was asked yesterday about his motor mm-hmm. and, you know, the screening and rebounding that he's been pro- provided in this series. And he seemed a little annoyed by the question. He said, motor, come on, bro. I play both ends of the floor. My name is Dominating. So like dominate, dominating. So he's trying to make this his nickname, is what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and he says that he 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 doesn't have a motor. He runs on a Tesla battery. Okay, I've seen some Teslas. They don't really work out. Um, uh, first and foremost, like, is there not a motor? There has to be a motor, even if there is a battery in the car, right? I don't know. Uh, and then second of we all, we have to ask Otto Porter, the car expert <laughs> of the Raptors show. That's A U T O Porter, by the way. <laughs> Um, he actually is a big fan of cars. That's one of the questions yeah, I asked him. Check out, check out the uh, Auto Porter interview with Will. That's like 25% of his Raptors career. Good vibes. Um, but yeah, I mean, this dominating nickname, it, it, you know what it feels like? It feels like a, a for a period there where like R&B artists, they would always name <laughs> one album after themselves. Okay. You know, like um, didn't Ray J have an album that was something like this? Sure. 
Yeah. So like it, it's like a pun involving their name and also something that's like I guess supposedly cool. So right. Right. This, right. This reminds me a lot of that. It, okay. It sounds like an RB. So you're saying no to this. Uh, I'm definitely We're, saying okay, no to the this. The nickname yeah. drought continues. How much dominating can you do if you're only taking mid-range <laughs> pick and pops? Like you're that's, that's like. You know, it's a very expensive Patrick Patterson right now. Oh, man. Anyways. Sorry, I'm kidding, man. Come on. That's the not, other game last night between the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Yeah. LeBron James, 22 points, 20 rebounds, 7 assists. Mm. Scored his first points in the fourth quarter at the end of the game, a game-tying layup over Defensive Player of the Year, Jaron Jackson Jr., and then mm. in overtime, put the game away with a basket on our guy Dylan Brooks. Uh... Yeah, the Grizzlies are also in trouble. The number two seed is down 3-1. Yeah, no, the Grizzlies are definitely down bad. Um, and it's tough because I feel like they played really well, too, um, in terms of within their capacity, too. I just think they're running up against a team that is really well built to uh, attack some of their weaknesses and also a team that is clearly way better than a typical seven seed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're in Milwaukee, you're looking at a situation like, why do we have to play Jimmy Butler of all people in round one? <laughs> Like, I'm sure Memphis is like, why do we have to play LeBron James of all people in round one? Um, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, they, they've, man, this, it, it's it's tough because I feel like Jaw is giving them, like, as much as you can ask from him, um, not only because he's young, but also because he's injured like this, and he's still been able to go so hard. Obviously, we saw the acrobatics that he did yesterday. I mean, I, I don't know how he wasn't hurt after that. Like, yeah, no, that's too, it's too dangerous, man. Some of those... Some of those plays. Yeah, some people pointed out that it looked like the Aaron Gordon like uh, dunk where he's he's seated in midair and he's dunking <laughs> over stuff. The Magic Dragon. This man's about to start doing backflips like Simu Lutman. No, he, he's gonna backflip his way into a charge. Is, is that oh, not a travel? But uh, <laughs> oh, is a backflip a travel? Actually, I need oh, shoot, I, I need, need, need Monty McCutcheon. I need Monty McCutcheon uh, with his monocles. Yeah. yeah, I need him to to come in and consult on that one. But, oh man. No, I mean I, I just think that like Desmond Bain obviously was excellent for them last night as well. Yeah, thirty six points. But yesterday. Even with all the interior shot blocking that they have, and obviously they're missing Steven Adams, but I think Xavier Tillman has actually done a really good job uh, moving his feet and also being a force there as well. And, and obviously Jaron Jackson Jr. is the defensive player of the year, and I think he deserved it. The fact that the Lakers can still get to the rim and score, it's like, man, like look at that game, for example, yesterday, right? They they, they made that play at the end there. Um, they, they got the steal. Ja raced up ahead and then threw that ridiculous behind-the-back pass to Bain, who was able to lay it in. Like, amazing play. They're up two. And obviously, they got to still defend the last possession. But, you know, they put themselves in a great chance to win that game, even the series. And obviously, you know, the Lakers are older. Like, the longer the series goes, I would actually favor Memphis more and more. But on the ensuing play, everyone's already seen it. But LeBron's able to just drive past, like, a really good perimeter defender, Dylan Brooks. Like, we can slander all we want. Like, he's really a really good perimeter defender. And you're also able to get all the to the rim and finish the layup over Jaron Jackson Jr. He put it up so high off the glass like, man, it's just really impressive watching the way the Lakers have been able to scrap, compete. I mean, even with LeBron's uh, uh, heroics last night, they were led in scoring by Austin Reeves. Like, he's been so good for them in the playoff setting right now. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I just come away really impressed with the Lakers in general. Um, but I, I feel bad for the Grizzlies. Like, this should not be the round one matchup. Yeah, and I know we are talking with Pina last week, too, about how this is not the same LeBron now. And, you know, I, I think... You know, the days of him, like, you know, going for, like, 45 points and, like, just single-handedly carrying a team is over. But, like, seeing a game like, like last night is, is why I think a lot of people are really high on the Lakers because, like, 
LeBron's just still able to to impact the game in like so many ways, right? Yep. And he's still able to, I mean, the 20 rebounds, but it's also like when when it is crunch time, like he's still able to to kind of access, um, you know, whatever he has left. And like, you know, those plays were so impressive. Like that layup over Jaren Jackson, like you mentioned, right? Like that I feel like anyone, I feel like man. anyone else would have gotten blocked on that play. Like he actually else? adjusted at the end and floated it so high off the backboard and was able to 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 get that layup. And like, there's a clip circulating too of Dylan Brooks earlier this year saying that like all you have to do when you defend LeBron is make him go left. <laughs> and of course, LeBron what? went left on that. <sighs> Dylan Brooks, most disappointing villain ever, man. This guy thinks he's a final boss. He's like one of those level one, you know, villains <laughs> that when you're just trying out the video game, you know how like they give you a tutorial yeah, at the beginning, yeah. you learn the buttons and stuff. This guy's Brock and you have from to, Pokemon. Yeah, man. you have to defeat the first guy. That's Dylan Brooks, man. One, <sighs> one of seven from three yeah, yesterday. I mean, that's, that's and a, I mean, Xavier Tillman, like you mentioned, was the one who I think was drawing most of the LeBron assignment too yep, yep. at the end. And, you know, Tim McMahon who's had this, like, you know, running dialogue with Dylan throughout this series, uh, you know, asked Dylan if he wanted to talk yesterday, and Dylan just said no, and he said, I'm out. Damn. Ja I suppose Morant. that is running dialogue. He's, ja- running, he's literally <laughs> running away from the dialogue. Yo, watching Dylan Brooks go from, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin to, like, Kawhi Leonard has been wild. The, the funniest Yo, thing... The new, the new stat we're going to track is number of words by Dylan Brooks after the game versus number of threes he hit. Ooh. So yesterday was two words and one three. Okay. All right. So we're going to track that. No, I mean, I think the funniest thing is, you know, I, I, for anyone who, obviously this is an audio medium, but like for anyone who's seen Dylan Brooks, like walk into the arena and he's, he's very, like he puts on the fit, right? Like mm. in addition to sort of really go along with the look and everything, the sunglasses. And I'm just imagining him putting on that exact same fit, walking <laughs> out of the arena and ducking Tim McMahon of all people. Like, come on, man, just talk to Tim. Right. But no, I mean, look, it, this isn't, this isn't even anything that, I would say it's, like, entirely on Dylan. Like, he's really brought the focus on himself. But at the same time, I think, like, I, I just... How many people have gone up against LeBron and fell? You know what I mean? And we're talking about a guy who's 20 years in now. Like, this guy's giving you 20 and 20 in year 20. Like, it's 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 ridiculous looking at LeBron, man. And I think that, yeah, to your point about accessing that extra little burst at the end to sort of get it over the line, both obviously forcing overtime and also with the, the game-clinching play in overtime. I mean, it's just... And I don't know. I mean, I, it's it's amazing that for a guy who's had such a celebrated career, he's literally the all time leader in in scoring now, and 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 I think so for the playoffs as well. Like he's literally the overall scoring leader for everything. He's got so many records. He's obviously won the title four times. It's like you're still able to find new ways to appreciate LeBron. Mm-hmm. And man, I, I just think that. Uh, I, I mean, I just keep thinking about his his career and his life as a documentary. And this this thing is we need season two. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. Like it's it's more than just like you know, if the last dance was like one, I think how ten episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I think we need like twenty episodes for LeBron's career. Like this yeah. this this whole run right now, assuming they get through Memphis and and we'll see how far they get in the West and, and maybe if they even contend, um, like it deserves another episode, man. It's it's ridiculous watching it because he's also making other plays too. Like he's focusing mm-hmm. so much on the rebounding. He's focusing so much on you know taking the charges last mm-hmm. night. He's coming over with the weak side blocks like. He's, there's other aspects of his games where even though he can't access like peak LeBron for the full game anymore, he's still able to use his smarts um, to still make other plays along the way. And I mean, that's just a sign of a guy who really wants to win, man. And I know LeBron's corny and all that kind of stuff. I think it's actually really <laughs> endearing. 
um, because it, it's just great content Yo, for LeBron us. LeBron is so good at basketball, you can overlook the fact that he claims he invented the deluxe album. Yeah. That, like, he like, is that good. That's not even one of the top 100 most ridiculous <laughs> things he's, he's claimed. Yeah, we're drafting that at some point yeah. in, in the playoffs. I, I think, too. Man. Not two, not three, not four, not five, <laughs> not six, not seven. That's an all-timer, too. Oh, man, way. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Show us to Derek for that. I think, too. You know, for me, like, even with all the talk of LeBron, I think the Lakers are going to go as far as that supporting cast. Like, you know, the Austin Reeves, like even D'Angelo Russell, who I think is like the best player in the league of playing 40 terrible minutes and then somehow playing three great minutes. Oh, this is what he did the, to the Raptors twice know, this I was, season. I was thinking about that yesterday when he hit back-to-back-to-back threes, three yep, straight, yep, yep. in the fourth quarter to really get the Lakers back in it so they had a chance at the end. And even Anthony Davis didn't have a great game, but I thought came up with some huge plays yeah. um, in the fourth quarter and overtime. And, you know, Rui Hachimura only had seven points yesterday, but he's been huge during this playoff run. Like, you know what you're going to get from LeBron, and LeBron's going to fill in the gaps that Mm -hmm. the other players can't fill. But they're going to need these guys, and I think as they move on, if they move on, like, I think think the spotlight's got to be on Anthony Davis. Like, you know, he's going to need more than just the 12 points and 11 rebounds, I feel like. But, like, there's depth in this performance, right? Like, Mm -hmm. even last night, for example, you compare it to what Jimmy Butler did, right? He scored 56. Only three other guys had double-digit scoring, and it was like 15, 10, and 12 or something like that, right? Like, LeBron obviously had the 20 and 20, um, but he was actually kind of below efficiency for a lot of the game until he really came on strong there when it really mattered. But you got 17 from D'Angelo. You got 23 for Austin Reeves. You know, uh, Vanderbilt's giving you 15. You know, AD, obviously, he's going to be a double-digit threat. Dennis Schroeder can come off the bench and do something. We've seen Rui do some things as well. Like, it feels more like they actually have, like, a pretty cohesive rotation and different guys who can sort of be expected to step up or step down um, around the stars. And I think that's what you ultimately need. And, yeah, it's just really impressive. Um, you know, a lot of goat noises heard in the locker room last night. Oh, yeah. yeah we got right. a clip for that. Bah! Bah! For <laughs> there's, LeBron, There's man. your clip. Oh, my um, God. No. <laughs> I, think, I think, like, three years ago, if someone told you a LeBron James-led team, like, mm. Braun doesn't score his first points in the fourth until, like, the very end. Yeah and they actually win the game, like, you would be shocked. Like, I feel like you yeah. haven't seen that a lot. So I think it goes to your point you of, see, like, this being a group effort. Yeah, what's up? There's a stat, uh, obviously, Nick Wright was the one who came out with this Oh, one. he's the most clutch. LeBron's, like, the most clutch player in the playoffs, right? Bro, I think in the last second of, like, a game Seven of 12. Of, or go-ahead yeah. buckets, he's got seven of those. Yeah. Any seven of 12, as you mentioned, which is yeah. ridiculous efficiency. Not five, not six, <laughs> not seven. No, he literally, yes, seven, all right? He does have seven. Um... That that's ridiculous. No one else has more than two. Yeah, in the entire. Well, league. no one's on the LeBron agenda like Nick Wright. So shouts to Nick. No, but that is actually no, but those an are unbelievable stats. Yeah, stat. those are facts. Yeah. No, it's, it is unbelievable. And I think I think it just speaks to how we look at LeBron. Like you mentioned earlier, too, him being you know obviously setting the all-time scoring record this season. Mm-hmm. But it's all these other things that he does that that really makes you appreciate his game, right? Like it's the overall game from LeBron, yeah. and he got criticized so much for it earlier in his career. You know the narrative of him, you know, not being clutch and you know not wanting the spotlight, not wanting the shot, and he's just always played the game that he's played. Mm-hmm. And you know, you see how his career has played out. I, I was thinking too, his family was in the stands yesterday. You know, you know, Bronny getting a lot of hype. You know. All the talk, couple of years, maybe you know LeBron and his son's gonna play in the NBA. You think Bronny's watching this playoff run and be like, "Damn, I'm gonna hang out with my dad for the first five years of my NBA career." No, he's probably gonna. Like, I, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, I actually don't necessarily see. LeBron's like, like we gotta leave for the arena now, man. Like, <laughs> they gotta go to Staples together. LeBron's gonna retire when LeBron wants to retire at this point, yeah. right? Like, is he still gonna be an excellent player? We even see in this playoffs. Like, yes, he's not peak LeBron. He's not scoring 50 points in the finals, mm-hmm. right? But. 
no, a thirty-eight. He's finding other yeah. ways to contribute. No, now. a thirty-eight-year-old doing this is is like ridiculous. He's the same age yeah. as you. Every time I look at LeBron, I'm like, imagine that was Alex. This is we're about to hoop what, tonight, what, for example. He's not putting up twenty and twenty. What kind of uh, what kind of clutch agenda segment is this right now, man? But oh, no, man. Shots, well, no, start out as bad as Chris Haynes is. <laughs> oh oh my man. god. He's like, Bron, uh, shouts to Chris Haynes. Shouts to Chris Haynes. Uh, on the Grizzlies, too, one more thing. Yeah. It's, just, it's just, you know, you know, talking about, like, you know, Dylan Brooks with the trash talk in the yeah. series yeah. and, like, you know, we know John Moran had to be away I from the team <laughs> a little bit. And, you know, he also skipped his media availability yesterday. Yeah. And I'm not saying it. Listen, man, like, I, I think these that's things what I do. I talk. <laughs> that's, that's what he doesn't do he doesn't talk right now like man. these things individually aren't a big deal <laughs> yeah. to me but when you look at it in the aggregate i think just no it's just funny man and i think there's just an immaturity to to this grizzlies team because like i know they're getting piled on right now because of all the talk you know job being like i'm fine in the west yeah. all this stuff and now they're down three one as a two seed like let's be clear there's a lot of talent on this team right a lot of talent on this sure. team yeah, yeah. but like at some point you know, there just needs to be just more maturity, like a growing up. So I wonder if they do get bounced in the first round, do they come back with maturity? Like I compare them a little bit to those like early OKC teams with like KD, Westbrook, and Harden. Now the talent was way better yeah, on those OKC yeah. teams, but I feel like in terms of trajectory, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're a young team trying to compete. And I think it's pretty eye-opening for them to go against a LeBron-led team, like a more veteran team and come up short like this. And they came up short last season too, after all that talk, right? Like the only team they've beaten in, in the playoffs is uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> and I don't think you should be getting a participation trophy or a gold ribbon for that. Um, yeah. I mean, this, he, they wouldn't be the first young team to sort of like have to be humble to have their hearts broken a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, I just think it's the approach to it, right? But like I agree. Yeah. It's like, what, what have you ultimately done? Right? Like mm -hmm. obviously you're, you've been a really successful team in a regular season. You have up and coming talent. Um, I like that they have personality and swagger. This is great. But I also think it's funny, though. It's like everyone f finds front running funny, right? And that's what the people's problems have been with the Grizzlies. It's like, okay, it's easy to talk when you're, when, you're, when you're up. But when you're down, like, what do you do? And if you're ducking Tim McMahon <laughs> after the game, like, I'm sorry, man. You can't poke LeBron and then duck Tim McMahon. Like, that's, that's not it, man. No, I think it's just like... Shouts to Tim McMahon, by the way. No, shouts to Tim McMahon. I think it's the phrase, too. is like everybody got something to say until they get punched in the mouth, right? And like... This is classic Grizzlies. So anyways, yeah. just like the Bucks, they've got two out of the next three at home, but I don't think they're going to win the three in a row. All right, before we go, the Knicks are up 3-1 in their first round series against the Cavs. New York has not scored more than 102 points in any game in this series and somehow that's, has won three <laughs> out of four games. That's East, that's East Coast basketball, baby. Are we putting the Cleveland Cavaliers and Evan Mobley officially on Fugazi watch? Uh, you like to joke cash. Cleveland's cool. I mean, I never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. That that is a Knicks legend, Joakim. I'm just saying, man. The way the Knicks have played, you know, the bully ball in this series, uh -huh, like uh -huh. '90s ball, the offensive rebounding, second chance points. Mm -hmm. Like Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hardenstein have outplayed Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Oh, in yeah. the series, absolutely. Like Absolutely. they had 17, the Knicks had 17 offensive rebounds in game four. And we've seen this formula over and over again yep. in this series. So look, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see like a young player struggle in the playoffs, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not so often that you see like what Scotty did in game one against the Sixers where he had like almost an 18 point triple double, you know, that that's like not the standard. And I think for, for regular rookies like Evan um, in their first time in the postseason, like you might struggle, um, I think what's interesting is the context of sort of how those numbers come, right? Because clearly the the Knicks strategy is we're going to double team Donovan Mitchell 
and 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 really try to force other guys to beat us. Now, sometimes Darius Garland has really stepped up to that challenge and done it, um, but he really needs to be excellent to sort of really influence that that decision because a lot of the other guys haven't been consistent. And I feel like in the context of that, when you're really talking about like some of the other guys in, in their production, like how many of the other uh, Cavs players can really be a threat from three right now? That's really been such a big issue. Um, and and how many of them are able to make plays, attack, and break down the defense? Like, yes, you can have your bigs, you know, uh, put back a dunk here or there or, you know, catch a lob here or there after someone else created that advantage. But who else is creating advantages? And right now, the New York Knicks have identified just one man that they want to really f- fix in on, and that's really made them really struggle. And obviously, they can extend their defense to do that to two guys as well. They can do the same thing to Garland in addition to what they're doing with Mitchell because the rest of the Cavs aren't really a threat. But I think that's where the rest of the game has to come in, right? Like the playoff basketball is so much more intense and and, and it's so different from the regular season because there are other ways that you can really continuously impact the game. And we obviously, um, with the Raptors, we, we see it a lot with the way they're able to attack offensive rebounding. The Knicks are doing that to such a overwhelming degree against the Cavs. And I feel like that's where it's been disappointing. Like, okay, I'm not expecting Evan to be so like skilled offensively to like give you like a Tim Duncan or give you like a Kevin Garnett or, or even to give you like a prime Ed Davis, which is what he's been doing right now. But like, we're talking about like, can we box out? Right. And and those little plays, that's what the Knicks are doing to kill the other team. Yes. Jalen Brunson has been the best player and he's making, you know, tough shots and all that kind of stuff. But what's really making the Knicks win is all the extra hustle plays that they make and the extra level of intensity that they're able to play at and how much they're able to play smart and tough as a team. And that's not to say that, like, I don't think Cleveland has any chance of sort of making this longer of a series. I always thought this thing was going to go seven. Um, But at the same time, like, I've been so impressed with the Knicks. And to be honest, I've been very disappointed with the Cavs. So many guys are folding. And, yeah, you know, I mean, I think coming into the season, it was like maybe they'll have four all-stars. I'm seeing, like one and a half all-stars right now yeah on that team i think the Cavs got a common problem with playoff teams that get bounced early they just got too many bad players on their roster like it's hard to even think of like one good five-man unit for this team i like, look at guys like isaac okoro they're playing ricky rubio chetty osman like even karis lavert you know shouts to my guy danny green but i feel like if you're playing danny minutes in in, in the playoffs right now like you're really searching yeah and yeah. this is more bigger picture but it's like i look at mitchell and garland and i wonder too if they're trying to build and get to that next step. Like, is that kind of like a Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum situation that they had in Portland too? Like, can you build around those? But like, they've got the two bigs, right? But right now they're playing really small. Well, they have a problem. Well, real quickly, they have a very good strategy to win in the regular season. Mm -hmm. Two really good guards who can really continuously create plays and be the whole offense. And they have two, you know, centers who can really protect the basket and take away their paint. The thing is in the playoffs, you need flexibility and adaptability. And that's where their lack of forwards, especially two-way forwards are really hurting them. But anyway, uh, we were, that does it for today's show. I've been your host, Walu, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thanks once again to our producer and co-host, Alex Wong, our board producer, Derek Brandel, and Jennifer Olner for helping the YouTube stream. We'll be back to Slander Evan Wobley tomorrow.